This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. And yes, we are moving towards saving the bay. Things are getting better, but the system is still out of balance, a lot left to do. I know I am a, like a broken record on that, but we got to keep remembering. So again, to repeat, we're making progress, but there's still a long way to go. Today I'm joined by Allison Colden, CBF fishery scientist extraordinaire, and a repeat visit to the podcast for Allison. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. And uh, in case some of our listeners were not on the first one, it's been a while, remind us where you were before CBF and how long you've been here. Give us a little background. Well, I've been with CBF since January of 2017, so about nine months now, and came from Restore America's Estuaries, a national nonprofit. And Restore America's Estuaries is a great organization. I was there when we first got started. About 11 similar estuarine organizations around the country, uh, all of whom uh, work together in coordination almost as an association of estuarine protection organizations. So it, you've, you've hit the ground running and you are uh, now a commission, you are now a commissioner proxy. Is that the right term? That's correct. I'm a proxy for the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission on the Menhaden Management Board. And the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission is the multi-state commission which manages interstate fisheries up and down the Atlantic seaboard. And we're going to come back to that because our primary topic today is Menhaden, the most important fish in the sea, according to the great book by Bruce Franklin. And that may not be overstatement to call Menhaden the most important fish in the sea. Tell us why, Allison. So Atlantic Menhaden are a small, oily, non-impressive, you could say, fish in the herring family. You don't eat them every night for dinner? Uh, No, and I don't know many who would, but uh, they have been called the most important fish in the sea for the important role that they play in the marine ecosystem. And that's because they're what's known as a forage fish, meaning they are a prey item for a large number of other organisms from birds to whales, most importantly for some of our anglers in the Chesapeake Bay, striped bass. So a lot of our iconic Chesapeake Bay species rely heavily on menhaden as prey. So menhaden are are right in the essential element of Chesapeake Bay food chain for the big fish that sport fishermen and we love to catch, we love to eat, and are really an iconic part of the Chesapeake Bay system. So they're, they're critically important for that role. They also have an important role for at least one company, Omega Protein, based in Houston, Texas, which catches Menhaden not for the benefit of the striped bass or the bluefish or the other large fisheries in the bay, but for other reasons. What is the industrial importance of Menhaden to Omega Protein? So not only are Menhaden incredibly important for the ecosystem, they are important economically as well. Omega Protein, the company that you referenced on the East Coast, is based out of Reedville, Virginia. And they actually catch Menhaden for what we call the industrial reduction fishery. 
Reduction is the process by which menhaden are boiled and ground down to produce industrial commodities, things like fish oil and fish meal, which then go into things like cosmetics, um, animal uh, livestock food, pet food. Fish food for aquaculture. That's right. And uh, nutritional supplements, so your omega-3 oils caplets, some of those come from Menhaden. So there's a wide variety of industrial uses uh, for Menhaden, which is the primary use uh, for the company Omega Protein. And if anybody has seen pictures of the Menhaden harvest, they'll be familiar with this scene. And, and for those who haven't, let me just sort of lay it out a little bit. First, it's really the only industrial scale fishery in Chesapeake Bay. Uh, spotter planes spot the schools of Manhattan, which are a very tightly schooling fish, if I'm correct. Yes. The, they then direct large um, 120 foot, 130 foot uh, fishing vessels to the location. They deploy two small boats which circle the school with a net, draw the bottom of the net, it's called a purse seine, and then the large ship comes alongside and literally vacuums the fish out of the bay and into the hold. There's nothing else like that on the Chesapeake, is there? No, that's uh, unique to the Menhaden fishery. And a lot of people ask me, is there concern about bycatch? Well, actually, the Persane fishery for Menhaden is pretty clean, is what we call for a low bycatch. Because they're such a tightly schooling fish, um, the amount of other fish and animals that are caught within that fishery are actually relatively low compared to other fisheries. And I, I can tell you, having uh, been alongside one of these big Persane vessels, that is true. Uh, you, you can see that most, if not all, of the fish are coming out in the uh, uh, our Menhaden, but that's probably the best thing we can say about the Menhaden fishery in the Chesapeake Bay. Now, th there's also um, another element to the fishery, which is much smaller in nature, um, much more localized, smaller uh, commercial fishing interests. Tell us a little bit about that. In the Chesapeake Bay, the other main use for Menhaden is for bait, primarily in the blue crab fishery. And the Menhaden for bait in the bay are primarily caught by pound nets, which are nets that are put out uh, early in the spring and left there throughout the season and uh, are harvested every, uh, you know, periodically throughout the season for Menhaden. And these are much smaller operations they're run by one to two individuals uh, and much smaller scale, obviously, than the industrial scale uh, per seine fishing. And so um, what concerns the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, the Nature Conservancy, the Pew Charitable Trust, sport uh, fishing men and women all up and down the coast, is that too much of the Menhaden population is being caught and reduced, literally ground up, as you say, to be used in industrial processes and human health supplements, and therefore taken away by the fish that need to eat them in their natural state, right out of the water, fresh as can be, uh, to, to sustain the, their fisheries, their own fisheries. What, um, what is, give us a sense of the parameters of how the catch is allocated, how much 
of the fishery is being taken, what sort of scientific research has been done to make sure we're not overfishing, and the role of the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission, as well as state regulatory bodies. So as you mentioned, the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission is the interstate body that cooperatively manages Menhaden all up and down the Atlantic coasts. It consists of all of the states that have a Menhaden fishery, as well as representatives from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So those states got together uh, or get together and decide cooperatively on fishery management plans for Menhaden as well as a suite of other species. The Menhaden fishery is currently managed under a fishery management plan called Amendment 2, which was passed back in 2012. Um, and that was a significant step in the Menhaden management because it established a coastwide quota for the harvest of Menhaden. Coastwide quota, Florida to Maine, total amount of catch on an annual basis. That's right. Okay, sorry to interrupt. And uh, the total allowable catch, as they call it, or coastwide quota, is further divided by each state. So each jurisdiction receives uh, a percentage of that quota based on their historic landings from 2009 to 2011. Okay, it's time for a footnote here. Chesapeake Bay main stem, where Menhaden live, two states, Maryland and Virginia. Maryland, as I understand it, does not allow the industrial scale catch by these big uh, ships in the purse seines. Virginia does. That's correct. I'm right so far? So, so Maryland does have a bait fishery, but does not allow Omega to come into Maryland waters with this industrial scale fishing. And Menhaden are regulated in Maryland by the Maryland Department of Natural Resources. The equivalent body in Virginia, the Virginia Marine Resources Commission, manages, as in Maryland, all fisheries in the Virginia portion of the bay, with one exception. Menhaden. Menhaden. And Menhaden is managed by the Virginia General Assembly. Correct? That's correct. And Reedville is the port of call where all of these fish these, in, these large ships with their load of Menhaden are brought to be reduced. It's, it's where the industry, where the manufacturing plant, if you will, is located, and that's in Virginia. And that's considered an important uh, economic asset for the Commonwealth. Yes, and because of the Menhaden fishery, Reedville is the fifth largest port on the East Coast in terms of pounds of fish caught. I believe there were also several other reduction centers, ports, manufacturing facilities up and down the East Coast, but men, but Reedville is, am I right, the only one left? Yes. The last remaining Menhaden reduction plant, with the exception of Reedville, closed in 2005 in North Carolina. There used to be um, upwards of 25 reduction plants all up and down the East Coast. As Menhaden population shrunk over time, uh, the range of the species also shrunk. So as there were fewer fish, they started to become more concentrated offshore of Chesapeake Bay and nearby states. And so it became uh, not economically viable anymore for those reduction plants to stay open because of the length of time that the ships would have to steam to get to and from the fish and back to the plant. But there are other states that allow the catch of Menhaden off their waters, or is Virginia the only one left? 
Virginia is the only one. The only one left. Now, I, I should note that the Chesapeake Bay Foundation and a number of our partners have pushed for legislation in Virginia for a long time, even decades, to have the Virginia Marine Fisheries Commission, which is a scientific commission, manage the Menhaden fishery along with all the other fisheries in Virginia. And that legislation, while drafted um, each year, generally doesn't even get out of the drawer, which is the expression of it doesn't even get a vote in subcommittee, much less on the floor of the General Assembly. So Virginia has had a long history of being very protective of keeping the management of the fishery in the General Assembly rather than in the scientific Virginia Marine Resources Commission. We'll let our readers draw their own conclusion, our listeners draw their own conclusions as to why that happens. But it is extraordinary that that's the only fishery in Maryland or Virginia that is under the uh, jurisdiction of non-scientific managers. So you mentioned Amendment 2 under the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission setting a quota. That was a great victory. Now we see the industry pushing back. Give us a little sense of where we are in the process. So the impetus for Amendment 2 and some of the management actions that were taken in that amendment were very low population numbers for Menhaden coastwide. And the good news is, is that we're starting to see some recovery of Menhaden, particularly in terms of biomass. Yet what we do Bi see... For our lay listeners, biomass means the size of the fish? The, the total weight of the fish. total weight of the fish. Uh, in Chesapeake Bay, the uh, recruitment, which is the small fish entering the bay from being spawned offshore, continues to remain at a low level relative to historic levels. Um, but we are seeing an expansion in both the geographic range and the biomass, again, the weight, total weight of the uh, population. So uh, uh, Amendment 2 set the quota, which is good fisheries management scientific principles. Don't take more fish in a given year than nature can put back. There has been, however, uh, some, some lobbying in its broadest sense by those who harvest Manhattan to increase that quota. And as I understand it, this scientific uh, survey that shows biomass is increasing is being used as a rationale to, to increase the quota. Well, the most recent stock assessment update uh, just came out in 2017, which is where we see uh, the scientists saying that the biomass of the total population is increasing. And decisions about whether or not the quota will be increased will be happening at the November commission meeting. At, at the November meeting. And we're going to come back to that because they're, they're holding public hearings all around Maryland, Virginia. The... the, the um, importance of Menhaden in the Chesapeake, going back to the beginning as a forage fish for striped bass, bluefish, other sport fish, is really dependent on the smaller fish, if I'm correct, which are part of the part of the diets of these these larger fish. So we're concerned that while there may be more large fish and often out in the ocean, making the total coastwide uh, biomass larger, 
the number of small fish in the Chesapeake may still be below what we think and other scientists think is necessary. Yeah, the Chesapeake has historically been the core, the geographic core of where the recruitment happens. Again, the small fish coming in to feed. Where they're born? They are spawned offshore, but then come into the estuary shortly thereafter and feed uh, and grow up to a larger size before they migrate offshore. And so the Chesapeake Bay has often been considered a nursery habitat for the habitat it provides at this young age for Menhaden. So it's, it's in our interest to keep the status quo with the young fish at at least a level, hopefully to sustain our other fisheries in the bay. And there is an uh, Amendment 3, which is being um, considered by the ASMFC, which does something that's very important, that's a very important scientific principle that of ecological value of a species as well as an economic value to an industry. Could you explain those ecological reference points? Yes. So Amendment 3 was developed or is in the process of development based on recommendations that were made by ASMFC staff scientists and others who study the Menhaden population in the Menhaden fishery. And that is to Um, possibly develop what we call ecological reference points. Ecological reference points are management objectives and management targets that take into account the ecological value of a fish to other organisms in the ecosystem. And and if we could expand from Menhaden for a second, do you see the way Menhaden are managed, the scientific rigor of setting of quotas and determining um, uh, potential uh, uh, harvest levit- limits without impacting the overall population? Is that process important for other species, and is there something to be learned here for other species in the Bay and, and even coastwide? Well, menhaden, as I mentioned, are considered a forage fish, and they're just one of many of a suite of species that fall under that sort of category as forage fish. Other species in the herring family, um, anchovies, several other species fall into a similar ecological role as menhaden. So it's possible that lessons learned from trying to develop these types of uh, management strategies could possibly be applied elsewhere wanted to mention one final thing, and that is Menhaden are known as one of the filter feeders in the Chesapeake Bay system. Could you give us a little scientific background on the filter feeding, filter feeding capacity of Menhaden? Yeah, Menhaden are filter feeders. They have specialized gills, which actually collect particles as they swim through the water with their mouths open, and it's kind of a unique Um, feature. They feed on phytoplankton or algae, which can actually be one of the reasons that you see cloudy water in the bay. Each individual can filter up to four gallons per minute, and they're very efficient at taking the algae that they consume and transforming that into fish, basically into their bodies. So they're, again, an important link in the chain because they take a primary producer, which is algae, and turn that into fish biomass, which larger predators can consume. So just as we as a society spend a lot of money on sewage treatment plants to reduce the amount of nitrogen and phosphorus going into the Chesapeake to reduce the amount of algae which are 
overblown in the system. When they die, they use up oxygen, they cloud the water, they prevent uh, photosynthesis. The menhaden are doing this for free. That's right. Very important fish, maybe the most important fish in the sea. Uh, Allison Colton, we are so lucky to have a scientist of your um, ability working for CBF and defending menhaden, oysters, so many other species. Menhaden management is absolutely critical for the future of the Chesapeake Bay. Managing menhaden by political, by, by elected officials who have political training and not scientific training uh, is not only um, the is not only sort of in violation of scientific principles, but is is not done for any other species in the bay. If our listeners are concerned about the levels of menhaden, the importance of having a forage species in abundance in the Chesapeake, they can go to our website, cbf.org forward slash menhaden, to learn about the uh, public hearings which are coming up this fall, which will influence the ASMFC's decision making and make their views known, and if they like, come to uh, uh, one of the hearings. I would also encourage all of our members and listeners uh, in Virginia to let their elected officials know if they're concerned about the plight of Menhaden and the ability of Menhaden to be part of the great Chesapeake Bay system and encourage conservation first for Menhaden. It's criti they're, they're critical to the system. So again, Allison, thank you very much. And before I let you go, could you comment on what are the impacts what, uh, on rockfish, on striped bass in the Chesapeake Bay, if they don't have enough forage fish? Well, striped bass are particularly dependent upon menhaden as one of their primary prey sources. So you can imagine that if menhaden are not available for rockfish to consume, they're going to have to switch to another prey species, be it smaller fish, different fish, or even things like blue crabs. Um, and you can imagine that that may also have impacts on the economics of the Bay region if that's one of the species that rockfish are switching over to in the absence of menhaden. Less menhaden could mean more impacts on other fishery, other fish, other crabs in the system that were not under such pressure when menhaden were more abundant. Uh, are there other impacts on the striped bass, on the rockfish as well from uh, reducing food source? I've, I've heard mycobacteriosis, which is a wasting disease uh, for striped bass, could be exacerbated perhaps by a lack of forage fish? Well, menhaden are a very nutritionally dense, very uh, high value food source in the sense of nutrition. So in the absence of menhaden and they're switching to other poorer uh, prey species in terms of nutrition, um, that can cause stress on the physiology of the rockfish, which can be further stressed by things like high temperatures, low oxygen levels, some of the summer conditions that we can often see in the bay. So the combination of those factors stressing the striped bass can make them more susceptible to things like disease. And yeah, well stated. It's, it's, it's once again a lesson that there, there rarely is a single smoking gun, but it's a combination of factors 
both on the decline of fisheries and other things we value, as well as on the improvement. A combination of many things going right can lead to uh, great improvement as well. So, Allison Colden, thank you very, very much. This is Will Baker, president of CBF, podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. Be sure to tune in uh, every two weeks. Thank you so much. Thank you.